Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is Thursday, October 5th, 2023. Yeah. We are beyond excited to be with you tonight, church. We see what the Lord is doing in our body, and we know that you do as well. There is joy and celebration happening because of the fruitful harvest uh, that is coming from your very lives. In fact, the other night at my house was kind of like a, a tavern setting. We had, we had men all around the table. We were opening the word, having a great time, singing songs, shouting praise to our king, just being rowdy. It was a good time of celebrating. Yes. We know that's not all. This is a common theme around our body. And as we are building toward the One Association, we are excited to see the faces of those we met last year and celebrate with them the perfection of what God has been doing in their lives. We are also looking forward to the new lives that the Lord has brought in through the diligent work of our brothers across the One Association. The kingdom is advancing, and we get to see the fruitfulness of it very soon. Amen. Praise God, guys. So now, Sunday's message. We know you guys remember the message about Sukkot. That's what it was about. We're in the season of Sukkot, guys. And we know that you remember the Sukkot is happening right now as we're in this house. It's happening, guys. And so, in fact, Sukkot on the calendar ends Friday at 6 p.m. Did you guys know that? We're at the very end of it. So we still have joy and celebration. We're basking, guys. We are basking in what the Lord has done. Are you guys still joyful? Yeah. Amen. So joy, guys, because of the freedom from slavery that we know the Israelites experienced coming out of Egypt and that we have in our own lives as well. Amen. Because also joy because the harvest that has been reaped from the past year and the harvest guys are working to reap for next year as well. Amen. Our diligence will prove that. And so, guys, wait, just wait. There, there's more to this. There's one last thing, guys. We know that you all grasped the fact that Jesus is Sukkot. Guys, we learned that on Sunday. Jesus is Sukkot. His life is the embodiment of Sukkot. And here are three things, guys, that we want you to remember from the Sunday's message. You guys want those three things? Yeah. Come on. We're going to start with the light. We're going to go to John 8, 12. Say pattern of Sukkot when you're there. That is the title of our message. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of life, saints. Come on. Jesus is the light. Think back to that 70-foot menorah and how bright of a light that was. What a light it was to not only the citizens, but also the denizens. Did you guys learn a new word on Sunday? I sure did. I sure did. I appreciate a good new word. That is great news, saints, because we are those denizens. We are not the citizens of God's people, but we are brought into that because we have seen the light and we are coming to that light. Man, that is special, guys. To be adopted into a family, man, that is amazing. To be welcomed. Oh, my God. So the second point, guys, I want to remind you of from Sunday is the water. So go to John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. And as you go there, say uh, cycles. Not cycles. <laughs> Pattern of Sukkot. We almost named it cycles of Sukkot. We changed it a couple times. 
pattern of Sukkot. Are you guys there? Okay, it says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water flow from within him, guys. So saints, Jesus is doing this during the water ceremony when the water was taken from the pool of Siloam and it was carried in a pitcher and poured out on the altar. So guys, recall back to what pastor said on Sunday. It, is, it was said that you have never experienced the ceremony. I'm sorry, you've never experienced this ceremony. If you have, my apologies. You have never experienced this ceremony. If you have not done that, you have not experienced real joy. I got to say it again. If you never experienced that ceremony, you've never actually experienced true, real, genuine joy. What does that say about that ceremony? What does it say about the time there? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, we want it. Yeah. We want to experience real joy. So, guys, this is the time that Jesus stands up and says, come to him and drink if you are thirsty. And streams of living water will flow from within him to you. This statement was sure to draw the attention of the Jewish people. And also, Isaiah 12, chapter, chapter 12, verse 3. Don't go there. Just listen. It says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Amen. And we got to shout out our brother, Carlos Shueda. That word salvation is Yeshua. He brought attention to this point. It is Yeshua, guys. We get to actually draw water from the well that is salvation, who is the Messiah, Yeshua himself. Hallelujah. Come on. Think about that. The people are there. Jesus is standing up and say, come and draw from me water. And they can hark back to uh, Isaiah 12, 3. And we look at this. We read that again. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of Yeshua. I mean, come on. And Yeshua is standing there saying, come and drink from me. Man, we have this opportunity to come and drink from our king. Third one, the tabernacle. John 1, 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came and dwelt among us, saints, among us. He took up flesh and walked among his people. He tabernacled with us, church, because Jesus is the tabernacle. Think about that. Literally being in the presence of Jesus, the embodiment of that tabernacle. It's an amazing thing that we have an opportunity to be a part of. Guys, did y'all hear what he just said? Jesus dwelt among us. He actually tabernacled. With, that's no small thing. Let's not just breeze by that, guys. He is the tabernacle. He is the light. And he is the water. He is Sukkot. He is the pinnacle of Sukkot. And guys, we are actually in Sukkot right now. It's the, the last day of it, man. The mightiest day of Sukkot. We are standing in it right now. Yeah. So we want to connect these three points from Sunday's message to what we, are, we have for you tonight. In order to do that, we need to turn to Amos 9.13 and say, pattern of Sukkot. All right, guys, it says this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper, reaper will, over, will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. I will bring back my exiled people, Israel. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. 
They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted. From the land I have given them, says the Lord God. Man, guys, there's reaping going on in there. There's, uh, there's trading of grapes. Yeah, church, a return from exile to a fertile land. Would that not be the most joyful time you've experienced? After being kicked out of the land and coming back out of exile, how, how excited, how joyful would you be in that moment? So, guys, the scripture actually is speaking prophetically about the restoration of the nation of Israel. During that time, there's a return, there's abundance, there's overflow in the land. And th this is agric agricultural imagery in these scriptures, the reaping and the plowing, the planting grapes and treading on them. Israel had to be planted in their own land, never again to be uprooted, guys. So let's look to the Hebrew calendar cycle to glean a little bit more on this very topic. So we have a slide for you. It's a very colorful slide, by the way. Not one that we made. That's a lot. Pastor Nick did not help us with making that slide. Maybe he did. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so as we look at this, you can see it has our solar calendar, the months. I want you guys to look at the feasts and the tabernacles. The sorry, the feasts and the festivals. And then going down with the seasons. We're, we're right there with the tabernacles. We're still in this, in that mix between September and October. Look at where the season falls as we think about this calendar year, the end of a harvest coming into the Feast of Tabernacles, and then immediately after that, you get back into that plowing season again. You get back into the plowing so that you can plant, so you can reap another harvest. There's continuous work that needs to be done. We celebrate, and then there's more to be done. Okay, so we want to give you, we want to give you a little bit of a, some connecting points with this, okay? Why are we talking about the harvest cycle? It's not because it's a colorful slide. We actually have a, a good point we want to bring to you guys. It speaks a message about who God is, his nature and his character. Jesus is the tabernacle, the water and the light. He is Sukkot. For a seed to grow, it requires a few things, right? Taking you back to, you know, elementary uh, science class. It takes a few things. Planting a fertile soil. Sorry, planting infertile soil. It takes water, and it takes light. You can kind of see where we're going with this. The tabernacle, water, and light of Jesus, the pinnacle of Sukkot, sounds similar to the soil, water, and light that a seed needs to grow. How do you connect the tabernacle to the soil? In Hebrew, tabernacle is the word mishken, which means residence, or layer of animals, or figuratively, the grave. This sounds like digging a hole in the dirt that a seed is placed in besides resides in it that would be a layer in which it begins to grow. A seed needs to tabernacle in the soil. It needs water, and it needs light to produce the intended fruit. Amen. Did you guys see the connection there? Yeah. So Jesus is Sukkot, right? And the seed that's planted in the ground needs that same tabernacle, that same water, that same light to grow. So outside of, Jesus, outside of Jesus, we cannot grow. So the word says, one man plants, another man sows, God makes it grow. So guys, has, has anyone ever tried to grow something and knows that this process is imperfect and 
it's, it's not it's not unhindered at all. I, I think Elder Charlie's last I've heard points. about the uh, the backyard escapades in in your garden, Elder Charlie. So yeah, he he knows. So there are there are internal and there are external factors that affect the growth. There's there's bad soil. It's a non-nutritious soil. It could be too much water, not enough water. Too much sun, not enough sun. Uh, weeds, bugs, and the list goes on and on and on. So the nation of Israel, God's actual chosen people, they were not perfect. They were not. Amos 9 prophesied of their exile. The sin of the people defiled the land, and it had to vomit them out, according to Leviticus 18:28. So the nation had to be uprooted and transplanted to a foreign soil. And Amos 9 also prophesied the return to a land that would be flourishing and that they would thrive and flourish in. Do you guys, do you guys see that? So guys, let's look to the Gospels to see how Jesus himself, how he tabernacled with, watered, and shed light on imperfect men who he walked with, and the resulting growth that they experienced in their lives. Come on, let's turn to Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Come on, saints. I mean, the light of the world. The beginning of the chapter provides the backdrop of this scripture, as Jesus is on a mountainside teaching the 12 disciples. We establish that Jesus is the light in our recap of Sunday's message. He is perfect. He is Sukkot. However, not one of the disciples that he chose is perfect in and of themselves. However, Jesus is encouraging his disciples here that they too are light. More specifically, he says they are the light to the world. Their light is evident to all who look upon them like a city set on a hill or a mountainside for that matter. It cannot be subdued or hidden from plain sight. On the contrary, light is to radiate from the disciples and illuminate other men to the glory of praises of our Heavenly Father. Amen. There is no difference between you and those disciples, church. Not one difference. You are flawed. You have made mistakes. And yet our King is encouraging you that you can and you will be the light to the entire world. Jesus is light. His disciples are the light of the world, LCMU2. You have the imperishable seed of God's spirit living inside of you, and his light will cause you to grow, as well as everyone you shine upon who has the same imperishable seed. A little group participation, guys. Everyone raise your hand and pray after me. I am the light. Amen, guys. Go to John chapter 4, verse 13. As you go there, say, pattern of Sukkot. It says this, Jesus answered, 
everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Guys, these verses speak of the woman at the well and the encounter that she had with the Messiah, with Jesus himself. This woman was not a disciple. We just talked about the disciples on the mountainside being taught by Jesus. This is, a, this is a, a random woman at a well drawing water, and she had an actual encounter with the king. This woman here was anything but perfect. She had, she had not one, not two, not, she had many relationships, to say the least. Despite this fact, an encounter with the joy of Sukkot himself, an encounter with Jesus Christ changed her life forever. Do you guys remember that moment when your life was just changed forever? Do you? Amen. So she couldn't help but to run, to run to town and tell anyone who would listen about the man who told her everything that she ever did. Springs of living water flowed from Jesus into this woman. And springs of living water are flowing from Jesus into you, LCM. And Jesus is also setting a precedent of what his disciples will do. He's demonstrating it already because she was imperfect and she was not a part of their group. And yet he ministered to her anyway. That is what they were to do. That is them being the light of the world. That is them actually going and representing him to the nations. It's good when you have good teachers in front of you to pattern life after. Let's turn to John 14, starting in 22. says, then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and I will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you, give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Saints, here Jesus is the tabernacle, and he dwelt among men, especially, specifically, his 12 disciples. He had to leave so his spirit could come and tabernacle with them. The day of Pentecost and onward. Again, these 12 disciples weren't perfect. We can't say that enough. They weren't perfect. Judas betrays Jesus, and Peter denies him three times. But on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and boldly proclaims the gospel, and the result was salvation for thousands Thousands, represented by many people, many different nations. We all know about this momentous event that took place in the book of Acts. But what about you? God is tabernacling with you and in you because you are with him and in him. Man, saints, God is tabernacling with you. That is amazing and that is special. 
And so there are men and women in this house that God is physically tabernacling with. And one I want to point out is Mario Clement. Brother, God is tabernacling with you. We're talking about the tabernacle, the spirit, the water. We learned about going to the actual washing basin in a previous message, looking into it, washing your hands, seeing on your head that you are holy to the Lord, going into the holy place, seeing the menorah, the actual light of God in there. Brother, God is tabernacling with you. You are the priest of your home. You are the high priest of your home. And my brother, God is tabernacling with you. He has, he is, and he will in the future. Cody Stevens, you are light. And more and more light every day. Oh, okay. All right. That's because you're full of light, my man. You are a man full of light, though. And that light radiates to other people around you, the other men around you. You cast that light onto areas in their life that they need to be built up in, and you are the first one to go and make sure that they have exactly what they need. Hmm. Chris Hall. You're in a different season of your life now. Just finished high school, just graduated, going to work. It's a working man now, amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother, God is tabernacling with you. You grew up in this house. You've drunk deeply from the waters of this house, the teachings that have come up out of LCM. You've been, light has been shown upon you from your birth in this place, brother. And you have light to shine. You have to radiate to the nations, brother. God is tabernacling with you, Chris Hall. Man. Gabe Stevens, Gabriel Sutherland, Timo Carter. Come on. Where's Gabe's, where's Gabe Sutherland at? There you are. Good. I just want to make eye contact with you. Come on. You men, you men in your household, you guys are full of living water. The words that you speak to the men that come into your home, it is the refreshment that they need. It is exactly what will continue the ministry that we have here. Because it is life-giving. It is eternal. It will not end. And the more and more that you stand up and you speak with that flowing water coming out of you guys, there are lives being changed continuously. Now, family, we can, we can go on and on and on all night, and we don't have the time. So we're going to move on. So go with us to John chapter 17 and verse 13 through 19. And as you go there, say, pattern of Sukkot. It says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world anymore than I'm of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may truly, may be truly sanctified. So guys, why is Jesus sending them into the world? It's a question. Why is he sending his disciples into the world? It's because they have the full measure of joy with them. They have the pattern of Sukkot with them. They've walked with Jesus for three years. They've been poured into. He's radiated his light upon them. They are ready to go and affect the nations. And so he's already dwelling with them. And they are, they are a representation of the Messiah, 
a representation of the King of Kings everywhere they go into everyone else they encounter. The full measure with them. Full measure. Not a half, not a quarter, not three quarters, not barely, or almost there. The full measure. All of it. Gosh, Jason, don't we want all of it? We want the full measure of Christ. Because if we have the full measure of Christ, there's not one thing that we will do that will not impact nations. Not one thing. That's the point of why he sent his disciples out. They had the full measure. They experienced him by tabernacling with him. They experienced the light of him and the rivers flowing from him. And that was exploding on the scene everywhere they went. That's impactful, saints. That's the full measure. That's the joy we have. That's the joy of the season right now. We're celebrating this. Let's turn to John 17, starting in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me and... Sorry, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Their message. Do you hear? It's their message. Because they've already received it from the Lord. They've been impacted by it, and now they're taking it further. Their message. They were with Jesus. They were with the pinnacle of Sukkot, dwelling with him, experiencing what he had to offer, taking in all of the light and water that was poured out from him. Church, did you see they received the full measure? These 12 disciples who were Jesus, who was Sukkot, they went to the nations and they took Sukkot with them to the nations. They took what was poured into them and took it and gave it to somebody else. They didn't hold on to it. And that's exactly what we're called to do. That's the pattern we've been given. Every one of us in here came in this house knowing less than than when we came in here. Absolutely. I had no idea what discipleship was before I got here. And I'm still learning. And so there's a pattern that's been given to us. And what our responsibility is to do is to take that pattern, take what we've been blessed with, and give it to somebody else, not to hold on to it. The kingdom depends upon that. These 12 men lit the world on fire. Just 12 men. Look look to your left and right. How many men and women are in here? Way more than 12, right? We got work to do. So this was always God's intended plan. The nations, in Sukkot, going to the nations through his people, And we want to tell you tonight, the 12th took Sukkot to the nations, and so will we, LCM. So will we. Come on. They took it to the nations, and so will we. They took all of what they had, every last bit of it, and they brought that to the nations. Come on. The the purpose of Sukkot, the God dwelling with them, them being set free from slavery. I mean— the nations that are in bondage and slavery, that chain, they're chained up in darkness. That's what he calls for them. That's what he calls for us. 
We are to set the captives free. We are to go to break chains and loose them. We are to open the eyes of the blind, saints, so that they can experience God in the full capacity like we are. That spurs us on. Every day we think about this, that spurs us on. Who's the next? Who's the next? There's, there's a harvest out there, a harvest that's just ready. I mean, do you guys remember that? Remember, recall being in bondage and slavery. And, yeah, you were blind to it. Everyone, everyone knew it except you. And then God sets you free. The joy and the, the liberty that that brings. I remember that feeling when I knew God was actually real, real to me. I wanted to tell everyone I knew no one was safe. I didn't keep it under a bushel. It didn't matter. I didn't care who it was. I'm telling, right? You're going to know about this. And th- that's our responsibility. That's the charge we've been given. It's to take Sukkot to the nations. And it's our, it's our attitude. It's the joy we have as we go, as we learn on Sunday. It's the joy we have as we go. I recall men sitting down with me and opening the word to me like no one had ever done before. What impressed me the most is they took the time to do it. After a Bible study, they stayed for hours laboring with me, helping, me, helping my understanding until I got it. They refused to let me go until I had it. And what, what impacted me the most, what was impressed by me the most, was that they got nothing from it. Their only joy was seeing that someone's eyes were being opened to the realities of the kingdom. That's, that's an amazing example. And it, it's still with me today. I, I, I remember that, that joy that I felt. And, and that's the season we're in. We're in Sukkot right now. Remember that. Remember the joy you felt, the joy of your salvation. We learned that unless you've seen that water poured, you, you have not experienced joy. And so there's still more joy to be had. It's not exhausted. There's enough joy to go around, guys. We've got work to do. Come on. What was Sada saying? That's... That's walking in function. That's walking in the function that God gave you. When there really is nothing for you to receive, but you do it, and you see the eyes of the person across from you lighting up because they're getting it. I mean, as a teacher, it's what we call like an aha moment. The light bulb goes off. We got it. Yes, there's victory. Man, I can't think of another person better who functions as he should as Spencer McLean. I mean, this man is a beam of joy everywhere he goes. All of you know what he says. Yeah. Even our kids in class know it. Trust me. They say it all the time. But the joy that he has, you can't tell me that that man of God doesn't go throughout every day at work and is just radiant to everybody. I mean, I can't think of a better man that does that. And how he's leading his family now with Miss Randy by his side. And these beautiful children that will do the exact same thing he does. I mean, that's cause for celebration, saints. Come on. I know Caleb Brown. Caleb Brown has a new spring in his step. Come on, man. He's getting it. And he's excited for life. He's excited for the next time he gets to pour into someone's life. Because he is full of water. He's been with his king. And it is just coming out of him. I love it. We have such great things here, church. Such great things that we've been given by our Lord. And it's worth sharing. So we get to, to practice in here when we perform out there. And so we're called to take Sukkot to the nations, just like the 12 disciples did. And we get, we get, we get a chance to, to practice that. 
It's not, the, the test has not come yet. So we get a chance to do it day after day, rep after rep. My brother Nolan Hewitt texts me every morning with scripture to encourage me. On, that's, that's a good brother right there. He's repping it. He's practicing out there. Well, he's performing out there, but he's practicing in here. What's being handed down from his leaders to him. Thank you, brother. Come on. We're going to go back to Amos 9. Verse 13. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. That's not a normal process. I'm going to tell you right now. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. I will bring back my exiled people, Israel. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted. For the, Lord, for the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. Church, the fruitfulness is abundant. So abundant. You could see that that process, that overflow, that doesn't happen. Usually it's one season into the next. You, you're getting ready. Well, if it's time, if it's time to get to, to plowing, you're not going to keep reaping. But they're reaping so much, they can't get to plowing. It's like, wait, we got to start. Yeah, but there's so much left still. That's an abundance. And that's not just in the one season. That's the planting and the treading. There is so much that they're coming together. They're happening at the same time. That's an, that's an experience that we have. There is so much, so much in abundance that we are doing more than one thing at a time. And we are capable because of the tabernacling with our Lord. Jesus could do way more than two, one thing at a time. More than two things at a time. We have that opportunity. There is a both and that we want you to come away with. Our work is fruitful and we do it together. It's not one person. It's both. You have a plowman. You have a reaper. They're working simultaneously and they're working hard to get the work done. They're not letting it go. They're not leaving things behind. No, they're working hard to get it done. That's a good point, Brother May. They're working hard. In the season of plowing, you don't sit there and, 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 and drink some lemonade and, and sit in the sun. You get to work. You work hard because you know that a harvest needs to be reaped. And they are working hard. Go with us to John chapter 4, verse 34. And as you go there, say, pattern of Sukkot. I'm, it's messing me up, y'all. <laughs> the pattern of Sukkot. I just thought you were pausing for effect. No. It says this. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for a harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the, work, the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Say amen to that. Amen. Wow. I think we are so blessed in this house. 
we, we, have, we, have, we have reaped what we have not sown. This is 20-something years in the making, this body right here. Started in a garage church in Sugarland, Texas. And now it's spread all over the entire world. Guys, we have reasons to be joyful. We have reasons to celebrate in the Sukkot season. And not just in Sukkot, on into next Sukkot. It doesn't, it doesn't stop this week. So the work that Jesus did, it was transferred to his disciples. It was transferred. The work that his disciples did, it's being transferred to us. And the work that we're doing, it'll be transferred to our children, the generations, and also to those 70 nations. So we are reaping the benefits where we have not labored. We have work to do, and the nations can and will benefit from our labor in this season, in this plowing season. Guys, this is the pattern of Sukkot. Simon, can we put that slide back up again? Thank you. If we look at that, we can see where the harvest is and we can see where the months are before that. Word says four months more and then the harvest. It's in the, it's in the plowing and the planting season. That means there's a duality that needs to happen. What my brother Saad's talking about is that we are, we are reaping something that we didn't work for. And the next generations are going to reap something that they didn't work for because we labored in it. The, the duality in here is that you do have a harvest, a plowing and a planting you need to do. There is work that you need to do to begin this process in others. And yet, there are still others who are already ready in that same time frame. Having the mindset that it's not just about one, it's both. It's two there's a harvesting that's happening, whether it's later or now, but the work to do both. Go with us to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. While you go on there, I have a very practical point. If you find yourself having difficulty, you know, having a, the mully grubs one, some morning, unjoyful, look no further. Focus on somebody else. Focus on plowing and planting in someone else's life. Take the focus off of you. Yes. And as you do that, watch the joy change in your life. Watch a smile come on your face. Look at somebody else, and that will help you immensely. Oh, yeah. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Saints, the work of the Lord is never in vain. It may be in pain. It's reality. But it, but it will not be in vain. It is worth it. It is working. It is fruitful. When we are operating in the pattern of Sukkot, we are operating in Jesus. When we are walking in his light, letting the streams of living water flow out of us and dwelling with him, our work is fruitful, and the harvest is fruitful. Saints, as we're coming to a close, question I want to ask you. Is Sukkot celebrating the harvest that has come or the harvest that will come after the work? Yes. Very good. I set you guys up really well. You <laughs> 
But yes, it's both. We're celebrating what we have received, what has happened, and we're looking forward to the harvest that will happen when we put the work in, and we're going to have that time to celebrate again. And celebrate again with more. And yes, we are talking about what we may receive, but we're talking so much more about people. We're talking about the harvest of people that's coming to our body. One association's coming. Man, it's close. I know you guys are excited. I'm, I'm, yeah. Words can't describe it. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. If you think back to the one association from last year, we think about all of the faces of people that we love and we're able to see, right? Just the joy of being able to be together, celebrate in one place to praise our king, to grow together, to build those relationships up. It's a joyous and celebratory time. We're getting that again. Think back to some of the faces that were new last year. I think about one, Ubong. First one I think about, he was a new face. Man, he made a, he made a choice to just go there. He didn't know what he was doing. Didn't know what was going to happen will work. But look, but look at what's happened. You know what's amazing is what people saw in Ubong when he comes back to one association this year? Man, brother, you must have been dwelling with the Lord because you were changed. That's happening. Now, on the other side of that, let's think about, let's think about the other people. There's so much more. We are going to have a greater harvest of people at this one association. And it doesn't stop there because this is a pattern of Sukkot. It's a pattern that's happening. We are going to see more and more people coming into our fold. More and more people that are going to be turning the world upside down because they want to dwell with our king too. Hallelujah. I mean, it's, it's amazing to set your mind now on these things. As my brother would say, set our mind on the things above because this is above. This is a heavenly pattern and it is so good that we are a part of it. Amen. <laughs> hey, so, By raise of hands, if you got married since the last one association, raise one hand. A couple of hands in the house, okay? Come on, <laughs> yeah. Keep your hand up, please. Now, if you had a child since the last conference, please raise your hand. More hands coming up. Amen. If you're going to have a new child or new addition by next year's conference, raise your hand. Look at all the harvest. You can put your hands down. Look at all the harvesting that's taking place just in this house. That's just our house, LCM. Imagine all the different churches around the one association, what's happening. The additions, the ubongs that are being added, the Jaren Snells that are being added. I mean, it's, we're harvesting year after year, and we need it. There's, there's much work to do. The harvest is plentiful. We need workers. So, guys, the work we have to do is to stand in these three elements of Sukkot, which is Jesus, who is Sukkot, to begin to do work during the plowing and planting season in anticipation of the harvest. So the work we're doing now is anticipation of the harvest for next year's Sukkot, for next year's conference. But that's not all. Like John Ford said, the harvest is ready now. 
It's ready now. It's ready in your workplaces. It's ready in your homes. It's ready in the supermarkets. Wherever you go, the harvest is ready now. We get to work now in the, in the harvest, I'm sorry, and harvest what we did not labor for as we labor for a harvest that someone else will reap. Again, there's the others. There's doing it for somebody else. That'll bring joy to your life. And guys, we get to do this together. We don't have to, nor do we get to do it alone. This is a celebration. It's like a, this is like a concert. We're going to the One Association. It's Sukkot. This is a celebration, a favorable time, guys. And we get to do it together. Stand to your feet. We hope you guys were blessed by this message. Uh, Jesus is Sukkot. It's not, it's not figurative. It's not, uh, it's not ethereal. He is the fulfillment and the embodiment of Sukkot. And we actually get to participate in that. There's a pattern, a godly, heavenly pattern that we get to participate in that situation. Think about that seed that's planted in the ground that needs water and light to grow. That heavenly pattern is, is cyclical. It's, being, it's throughout the scriptures. God's character, it speaks a message throughout the word. And he's speaking a message to us as well. He's speaking a message to us as well, saints. He's saying work hard. The harvest is plentiful and the labors are few. We have much work to do. The nations are at stake. We have men going to Romania, to Italy. We have men that are being sent out to bring Sukkot to other nations. It's much work to do. Well, did y'all get to stretch your legs standing up? <laughs> Sit down. I just want to say for those of you that didn't grow up like I did, and a couple in the back that have experienced some of the things I have, this is the best AA meeting I've been to. Yeah. Assad and Adam. They landed on it, man. They taught us that uh, through the light that is Jesus and shines through us, through the water that is salvation that we've received and pours out of us in the seed of tabernacle, that we're in a constant season of harvest and also more harvest to come. Y'all got that, right? Last week, pinnacle of Sukkot. This, today, pattern of Sukkot. I'm going to read to you four verses, and then we will we'll close. Is that all right? Yeah. Speaking of seasons coming to a close. This is Abby's last Thursday service as a member of LCM. Wow. Takes me back a long ways to preach into a handful of destitute people in a garage. And to an extraordinary accomplishment that disciples of disciples of disciples can stand here tonight and do that. Uh, were you all blessed by what they did? Uh, that fading sign out there, and we're not fading, it's just the sign. Life-changing ministries flowed from an experience in a living room that has just been multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. Pastors Matt and Wade experienced that before I did, and I came in behind them. 
But when the grace of God is working effectively in you, you should be joyful about working harder than everybody else to make sure people get it. So y'all ready for your three or four verses? I want to pick up in Psalm uh, Isaiah 12. <clears throat> Sound booth, if you'll do this in the ESV, we're going to be in verse 1. And looking out there and seeing Sidney Bella worship tonight. That's a miracle and a beautiful, beautiful miracle. And she'll carry on in other ministries. So will Chloe. So will Abby. Hayes is our lone hope to attract people here. Yeah. Y'all ready to do a few verses? Oh, forgive me. I'm, my mouth is sore. Dr. Ed Bechet hurt me today. You will say in that day, by the way, Y'all see the little number one by you there? That's a very singular you. Many times in Hebrew, you is plural. This is you as an individual. You as an individual will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. My God, do I remember that. The day that is anger turned away from me. The day that he had compassion on me. Or more accurately put, the day that I awoke to the compassion he had shown me every day of my life. Behold, God is my. Somebody say my. my. Carlos, you in here? No, he's watching children. Behold, God is my Yeshua. My salvation. Do you remember the day that Jesus became something other than a curse word to you? Yes. Well, Smiley, I remember when that happened to you. In fact, we renamed you. From Stephanie to Smiley. My God, girl, you're doing a good job. And there remains a bright future for you. Yes. Behold, God is my Yeshua. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. And he has become my. Do you hear how personal that is? Do you hear how intimate that is? The day that he showed you compassion, comfort, became your strength, became your song, it became your Yeshua. With joy, you. Do you see the you there? With joy, you. That's not singular, that's very plural. The man has testified what has happened to him. And he is telling the rest of the world what will happen to them because the man with the experience is not at the mercy of a man who merely has an argument. See, you've experienced something. You have tasted something. He has become your Yeshua, your strength and your song. So you can say, what verse 3 says. You can say it to the whole world. With joy, you all, y'all, will draw water from the wells of Yeshua. And do you know who the well is at that point? It's not some spot in Israel. 
It's you. You tasted of him, and he became in you a well springing up with living water. And now they drink of him by interacting with you in your experience. Life-changing ministries began with one life changed. But now there are many. And there are many wells to drink from. With joy, y'all will draw water from the wells of Yeshua. And you will say in that day. Earlier we were talking about our day of transformation. Now we're talking about their day of transformation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the nations, the peoples. What begins in a singular life works its way through the whole family and straight out into the nations. What you have tasted of, experienced, and can testify to in a real and meaningful way will become something that they can drink of, experience, and testify in a real and meaningful way. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Has he done gloriously? Let his... Let this be made known in all the earth. What? That what he did in you and for you, he will do for them if they want to drink of the same experience you've had. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. For great in your midst. Great where? In your midst is the Holy One of Israel. What an extraordinary thing it is that we do not have to journey across the world to drink water from a natural well in another nation. But the king of that nation let you drink of him and turned you into a well that is a pattern of Sukkot. And the very thing that Sukkot is about it's the rest of the world experiencing what has just happened for Israel. And we practice that pattern of Sukkot when we allow the rest of the world to share in our experience so that what he's done for us and in us, they can see he does for them and in them. Amen. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Would you stand to your feet because the Holy One of Israel is in our midst. He walks among the lampstands and the churches are the lampstands of God. We're not going to have one of those moments at the altar where you decide how much you hate yourself and hate your flesh. I'm kind of done with that for a while. Week after next when I'm gone, we can do it again. Sunday, the Stevens are going to share a word with you, taking us back to the beginning and reflecting. We wrote it already, but we will be reflecting on the message that was just shared and Sunday's message. What we want to do in our closing is we want to drink from that well again because others' lives will depend upon it. There's a new Rosales in the house tonight, and he's a guest sorry this church works this way 
You have a birthright. Your brothers have tasted of something and they want you to experience it. And you have to have some drawing or you would not have walked in this room tonight. I happen to love your whole family, even the parts of your family that don't love me. They'll get to know me and love me more as time goes on. Tonight can be a night that you drink of the joy of salvation. Have you drunk of the joy of salvation? Damon, do you remember when you walked in this place? When Marlon walked in, I thought we were in a Mr. Clean commercial and I was scared. But what God has done in the men and women in this room, he will do for all that walk into this room. I remember watching, I'm going to call him Carlos Jr. so that I can refer to his father. Walk in here and watched his eyes set on fire like Jesus. Now everywhere he goes, he does that for people. Carlos Sr., he's doing the same in your eyes. He's doing it. Church, what we have will continue through the generations because you'll guarantee that it does by inviting people into your experience with the Lord. So all of this was unplanned and yet it was in the mind of the Lord. You see what Pastor Nick is doing? You see what Paul is doing? I don't know why we have to raise our hands. I don't personally get it. God's everywhere. If my hands are down here, he's here. I, I don't know why. But I do like the idea of making our whole body into a cup. I do like the idea of saying, Lord, will you fill me again? Lord, will you refresh your testimony in me again that I might share this blessing with others? Lord, I want to see the whole Rosales household in love with you. I want to see them all free in the way that you have freed Paul. Father, I want to see the whole Rueda household as evangelists for you. Mighty God, let us drink of you again and will you over? 